What is the vocal like? What can it do? Like it's a muscle. That's like let's try to do some little like flares and like see what what happens. You're listening to Record Room, where we meet the artist behind an album we love. I'm your host, Will Felger. Kissy is a singer from Sweden. Her first album, Plethora, came out in 2008 at a time when artists like Stacey Epps, Musina, and Jack Davey were positioned across music styles, scenes, and cities. Like those artists, Kissy's work is significant for the sheer amount of production, engineering, and songcraft that goes into each release. In this episode, Kissy discusses her 2017 album for Fool's Gold Records called Unplug the Delusional Monkey. Self-invention is a big part of this album, too. Coming up, Kissy traces how meditation, DJing, and musical experiments made with Sean C. and LB inform the trip-hop style of this record. and then I went to school a bunch. But this solo thing, it started out like a bedroom project. So I was basically doing everything in my bedroom by myself anyhow. And when I moved, all I needed was a mic and uh, a sound card and a laptop. And then I was kind of ready to, you know, roll. The thing that changed with moving to New York was that I also started producing music and making music uh, in that sense where I had been doing a lot of the vocal um, writing and the melodies and the lyrics before. So coming from Stockholm to New York, it was very much starting over from the beginning again. And so it had this uh, almost like this dead period of like uh, like this time where I just needed to kill time. And so I was like, okay, let me just pick up producing and like let me do that until like everything else starts picking up and like I start getting to know more people and like you know get my wings. Out, you know and you connected with some wonderful people yeah when you got here yeah yeah I mean <laughs> the first time I came to New York I walked into Tillman's which had I think they had a Tuesday where everybody would go and hang out at this like cocktail lounge and somebody uh, I can't remember who walked me over to a table and said oh this is Andre 3000 and this is Pharaoh Monk and I was like oh this is New York this is great <laughs> But I mean, I did, so I, that was my bar when I like came to New York. Not that I like that person obviously didn't know them and he was just trying to impress me. So they were kind of they, they had a weird look on their face when I came over. But um, New York is a great place for connecting with people. 
Definitely. And it's, people are very, I feel if you live in New York, you are open to connecting with other people. And that, so every, the, the conversation keeps on going all the time. And I, I love that with New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I feel like it's more open than uh, many other cities. And I think a lot of people have come to know you as a DJ. Yes, And for you've sure. had great luck doing that. Yes, And some for sure. great opportunities. Yeah. So, um, do you ever worry that the other work is going to get lost in all of those performances? I see them as being very much related. No, I don't. I feel as if I trust the universe and I trust my spirit in like guiding me. And I, I just believe in the timing of it. Like if, if one thing is not working and I'm like hitting a wall, not hitting a wall, but if, you know, like sometimes you have like ups and downs and everything and you have like dead periods and then you have periods when you have like a lot of momentum. So if I have a lot of momentum in something, I might as well just go with that momentum and then I can just go with the other thing when it has more momentum. I never been like concerned about them like canceling out each other i want to talk about um fool's gold yep and i feel like especially with your working both as a dj and a performer and a producer yeah um i love the way that they're developing artists on that label yeah and i think it's a great home for people like you and stuff that maybe people don't didn't come to know fool's gold for putting out right right um but what's your relationship like with a track and how how did that all come to be? I was doing music for a designer named Feng Sheng Wan. And she was, I saw her on Instagram and her graduation collection just swooshed by. I can't remember who, who was at the collection, but I saw it and I was just mesmerized. I was like, this is so beautiful. So I reached out to her over Instagram and I was like, I would love to like help you with music. Like if you have any music needs, just let me know and I'll like... Uh, I'll I'll assist you and so she reached back and we started DMing and we started like um, talking with each other and we developed this really uh, beautiful relationship Uh, and then she won the V-Files made thing that year so she ended up coming to New York where A-Track was doing he was the music director for that show so she was like, I have music. And he was like, okay, you have music. <laughs> so I went into a meeting. Um, I showed him like the track and then he wanted to amp it up and make it more runway friendly. Uh, so I was like, sure, do whatever you needed. And that's how we started our relationship. And he's always been very supportive um, since then, since that meeting. When you brought the idea of doing the record for the label. Right. Did he put you in touch with uh, Sean C. and LB? Yeah. Had you worked with them before? No, that that was his idea. He felt that they would be great mentors for me. Um, what was that like for you at the beginning? Sing, especially, and I'm curious to know because I know a lot of your stuff has been, you said bedroomy, but self-produced. Yeah, and yeah, Kind yeah, of self-authored. Sure. Yeah. What was it like working? And and they're both big figure. <laughs> 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 Music people. You're right. They're very down to earth. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just it was very chill i never felt any like like oh i'm in the room with big producers i i i i had an idea that i really wanted to accomplish they were really into the, the idea and then we kind of just it was kind of just like getting into like starting mm-hmm. to cook the the dish more you know like if mm-hmm. you would want to say it like that we, we it, it there was never time to get caught up in like all the the other stuff and i mean I think also Chelsea and LV, they've been around that for so long that they kind of, they're not faced by it, you know, and they, and 
also they like you know they live in Harlem and they're like New Yorkers and like New Yorkers are chill so <laughs> so it's it, a friendly town yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah it was really you know getting in and like start working on the music and like start ping-ponging ideas and seeing where we would uh, end up with everything I love trip hop <laughs> oh cool yeah <laughs> like nice. so much so that a lot of my music nerd friends are like will you were not in Bristol in 1996 but I'm like <laughs> it doesn't really that hasn't been a hindrance yet <laughs> but it reminds me of some of my favorite records of that era and some of my favorite people like uh very much the Max and Quay and pre-millennium tension era Martina Topley Bird mm. she is an idol of mine mm. um but it was a sound that I was not expecting really but it felt very good to hear it and um, I'm curious to know, like, did you have that in mind going in? Yeah. When I met with A-Track um, the first time to, like, tell him or, like, because uh, I initially I, I reached out to him in for guidance. I was like, okay, I want to create trip hop. And so we started talking about that. And the reason was because I, I mean, I've listened to a lot of dance music throughout my life, and I've also listened to a lot of hip hop and like jazz. I, I've listened to a lot of different music, um, and I just felt as if, you know, I'd, I had had my own label for a while, which was very dance music oriented. I, I co-founded with two other women, Kiss Kiss. Yes, Kiss Kiss. Yeah, and we were doing very dance oriented like stuff there, and. Yeah, Plethora is a very neo soul record, mm -hmm. and I felt like I I I, re I had reached a place in my life where I wanted to mend everything for it to make sense, you know. Mm -hmm. And also, my like my my dad listened to a lot of rock. I grew up with a lot of rock and roll around the house, and I felt like trip hop is like the ultimate, mm -hmm. you know, mixture of mm -hmm. things. You know, it takes the good things from a lot of different genres. I think you also have a lot of freedom with tempos. Yes, for you sure, know? for um, sure. And I, I do want to talk about that with some specific songs on the record. But yeah. I love upright bass. I love, like, there's so many things cool. awesome. <clears throat> on the record that I just loved hearing. Trip hop is something that I think, like neo soul, even, it's a it's a generic term that a lot of people resist gotcha. and avoid. I gotcha. Um, you know, so, you, you know, you could achieve that by being very technical. Right, right. But it is also kind of a moment in time gotcha. um, with some of the records that forge that sound so did you have touchstones and reference points with them together were there albums that you were kind of thinking about right right that's a great question um i had created a couple of demos um that were just like drum bass and vocal they were really minimal that we were working around i mean like fool's gold and chancy and LV. And also, um, I had created a, a document because I, I I studied some arts like um, like fine arts and painting and stuff. So I, I like I tend to um, sketch out stuff visually when I'm like thinking musically. So I had written down a document with a lot of words and descriptions. And I think I was I put in a couple of like oh I would like you know I like the hi hat in that song and. But the the beautiful thing, I think, with the project was that I came in with these demos that were super 
minimal and super simple. And then I was open to whatever. I mean, it's Chauncey and LV. They, you know, they know what they're doing. <laughs> so, so I just decided to be completely in openness and just allow them to go where they needed to go with it. And then I, I, I so we ping ponged it a lot back and forth. And then it was just like, okay, this is the starting point. Do we all agree if the starting point? Okay, let's go. Like, and wherever we end up, it's fine. I didn't even have the expectation that it would be trip hop at the end, but it turned out to be like a great version of it. The record's called Unplug the Delusional Monkey. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, they would want to know what that means. Right. And you've done a good job explaining it. There's things online everyone should go check out where you walk everybody through that. But for our purposes, um, let's work with a definition of the monkey mind. And right. this is a term that is derived from Buddhist philosophy, right? Right, right. And it speaks, it's got a huge significance to your meditative practices. Right, right. So in your words, can you just tell me about that? Well, the monkey mind is the the mindset that is the automatic mindset that we have that is just, it's not the subconscious mindset, but it's an automatic mindset that we have that has been programmed based on a lot of different information that we have been given throughout our lives. And the thing with information is that usually we accept information very easily and we put it in our little mindset or like in our little program or in our brain. Uh, and then all of a sudden it becomes the truth. And it's very natural that this happens and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a phenomenon that is happening. Mm -hmm. Like we learn from our parents. And so like if you learn to eat in a certain way from your parents, your mindset is going to have like, oh, this is how you eat. And then that's just your mindset about it. But that doesn't mean that it's the only way that you can eat something. It doesn't mean that it's the only way to do something. It doesn't mean that it's the only way to think about something. Mm -hmm. And the issue with the, the mindset is that when we're not in awareness and in presence, it's really hard to rewrite it because it's automatic. So it likes to just um, bring in new information. And if we already have the information within us, it, it just thinks like, okay, we don't need to like, don't bother about that. We already, you know, I got it. It's fine. But it's like, it's like with any computer or something, you know, you, you need to do the upgrade. You need to get in the new software. You need to like, 
get in the new information. So that's why what this is about. And I also found out in the process, it's also about distorted ego, which is also very connected to the mindset. So it's, it, for me, it was a big like release of like my mindset throughout the record and different like capacities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you mentioned distorted ego, one understanding I have of the monkey mind is that it's almost like a thought, your thoughts branch out. You have this cognitive data right. and it's, you know, easily received, but then processed right. in, in a completely different timeline, essentially. Um, and I think that we all could understand it well as being the thoughts that keep you up at night, you know, not being present in the current moment because your anxieties and your phobias and things yes. are propelling your thoughts onto, you know, a, a linear timeline that you're not exactly in. Or, exactly. Or you're, you are not in because it's forward. That's right? very beautiful the way so, you put it. <laughs> That's but gorgeous. I've been thinking about it and, um, and I love like the, the record is heavy and trip hop is a good outfit for it because you you're introducing a lot of big concepts of ego and death and consumerism and mm. um we can talk about all of those things any of those things mm. um and then i also on a more i there might not be a question here <laughs> <laughs> that's okay i love this because you're like there's such a beautiful like there's so much beautiful words coming out and it's like truth and i love it it's beautiful you you're, um, yeah i agree let's talk about anxiety though okay cool. and managing depression and cool. um i've i struggle with that mm -hmm. usually i feel like my monkey mind might operate as the self-censoring mm. part of me that can't allow space for trying something or when i try something and it doesn't go perfectly um the more controlling nature i have would be like like you're just not cutting it you're right. not going to make it right 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 um right i can very much relate to that i've had yes. times where that's led me to just give up completely mm -hmm. um and then i've had the complete opposite reaction where it just propels me forward right. <laughs> so is that something you experience Yes, very much so. I work a lot with um, using energies to propel myself. I, I feel like that is one of the things that have been the best tools in my life. Um, it's yes, it's very interesting that you're you're bringing this up. One of the books that I'm reading right now is called um, Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, and he talks about the servo mechanism in the brain. And I think that anybody who wants to change their self-image, like this book is like it's been the fundamental book for a lot of like motivational teachers and stuff. But when you read his particular words of like phrasing it, it's just like so eloquent and um, easy to understand. And he used to be a, a plastic uh, surgeon that then... Um, started looking into like the psychology of things but anyhow he's so he talks about the server mechanism and so basically like our brains are designed to whatever you focus on that's kind of what you get but with that you also have to understand what your brain is for focusing on you know we we can be focusing on things but then um how can i say it if we're walking um asleep then we don't know what we're focusing on. So it's a, a lot about waking up and becoming extremely present, getting in our bodies, 
And through that, like accepting our anxiety and like walking through our anxiety, it's a lot of work. But I, I've, I've found that that has been the best way to like deal with things. And everything else is kind of um, just band-aiding, band-aiding it. But when you band-aid it, it kind of flares up anyhow mm-hmm. in the end. You know, like it has to express itself, like all of these feelings that we have or emotions, you know. Mm-hmm. The first thing I would do when I feel... Um, any of these emotions is like to get in my body. That's the first thing. Cause the first thing you need to do is to be in your center. Like, so like take a walk, um, f- like hold things, feel like your presence or like I dance a lot. Like I started dancing on Instagram and then I realized I was like healing myself through dancing. Like, cause I was trying to make it perfect to get it on Instagram. And I was like, Oh, I'm dancing two hours a day all of a sudden, like I'm moving, you know, like, so, so like whatever you need to do to like get in your body, like I cook a lot. I spend a lot of time on like being present. I spend a lot of time on being in my um, in my body and in my center. And through doing that, that's what I feel like that's when you really get the power to like propel and stand on energies and like catapult yourself forward. But you need to like get into your body fully, which you know, when you get really angry sometimes at somebody and you can, you can feel how you're like, I'm going to show them. Like, you get that feeling and it's almost like you bounce off of it. Like, when you're in your body, you can almost do that all the time with, like, any emotion that you get. You lost your grandmother while you were making this yes. record? Yes. And I think this is related to what we're talking about because you've also said that your writing process often when you're doing vocals is to almost ad-lib or yes. just free flow um, over instrumentals and write from, you know, whatever melody or things come to you in that um, initial performance. So, and I know that I think there's a song, Kiss the Ground, on the record where you got, and this also speaks to, you know, your family being global. Um, You know, your mother in Sweden sent you the news. Um, your producers in New York were understanding and um, open to just canceling the session yeah. and, you know, resuming later. But you then went and did the song. I think the most important um, thing that happened to me in that aspect, and, and it, it was a very shifting moment for me. And I, I mean, it goes back to, ties back to what we were talking about before, about um, propelling, you know, that we get a lot of opportunities in our lives and if we choose to we can use those to like propel us forward like i don't think my grandmother would have wanted me to just like not gone and you know do the things that i want to do not just to say i mean of course when somebody passes away that's like that's rough but um this was the second session it was a test session so you need to have that uh, okay like this team works, like we're ready to go. And I felt if I didn't take that opportunity at that time, I wasn't sure when that opportunity would happen again. And it could have been months or it, it might have not happened at all because they might have gone, you know, gotten booked for mm-hmm. another, you know, another opportunity. Right. At the moment when that happened, I was like, okay, this session is just X amount of time. And then I can like fully be present and like deal with this all the way. And through deciding to that it was okay to not fake it because everybody was aware that it happened and as you said like they they offered to cancel it 
Yeah, it's a very weird thing to like describe because it's very like energetical, like in general. I felt a certain way. I stood in front in front of the mic and then I just started like releasing what I felt. Luckily, I understood how to like, I started to understand that actually I, that was one of the first times I really understood how, how to propel myself. And then through doing that, I was like, okay, wait, I can stand on this energy and I can actually, you know, this doesn't have to be like, an energy that drags me down. I can actually, I you know, I can I can be sad. I can mourn my grandma, and I can still stand on top of this energy. Like I don't have to like drown by it. Like I can still claim my space and like understand this. It's not a hard thing, but it's it's a, a complicated thing to talk about at times. <laughs> of course, anything worth talking about. <laughs> You know, because it's like it's hard to describe something uh -huh. that happens in energy mm -hmm. in words. So many tries, so many goodbyes, so many words, so many stories, so many nights, so many hurts, so many times we never found each other, and so many nights we ran away from one another, so many times. I thought that this is who I am That this is love life And you were my man So many times I catch your heart From slamming Into the sidewalk Into the floor Did you have more space to think about vocal performances and think about melody with mm -hmm. voice? Is that because you were working with other people? Like I said, I went to like music schools and stuff like that. And you learn how to like sing in a certain way. I could sing a pop vocal if I wanted to. It's just not, it just doesn't appeal to me to, to go and be Celine Dion vocal like all the time, even though I love Celine Dion. And with my vocal coaches after school, I, I took opera, like opera and stuff like that. And 
I just felt that it was really important and really crucial to be uh, in this honest space. And it was just like, okay, let's, let's not focus on technique. Let's not focus on what other people have taught me or like what I have interpreted other people's you know mindsets to be about things let me just like sit with a microphone and see what happens and what comes out and what came out was a reconnection to like I guess like a jazzy like more chilled out vocal and I was like oh this kind of just this feels nice it's just as I feel as if I'm like speaking you know like just hanging out with some friends and just like speaking and then I started um experimenting a little bit with that when I do my vocal exercises almost every day <laughs> it gets very you need to challenge yourself and do some stuff because you can't just sing the same scales or I can't you know every day for x amount of years so I, I start doing like okay what is the vocal like what can it do like it's a muscle that's like let's try to do some little like flares and like see what what happens and it, it's not about doing make doing runs it's about understanding that in different cultures people use the voice in different ways and like it's not only about the western we have a lot of capacity with a voice and we have a lot of there's a lot of different scales there's a lot of different um textures that we can create with a voice and uh, so, so i've always felt that that was interesting and i felt that this was a project where i really had a chance because there was no expectations for example a track didn't even really know that i sang when i started talking to him about this stuff so it was it was very much about just like okay this feels good like let's try this while on the subject of vocal vocals and the way that the voice is used you know globally um how much of that was learned or passed down or feels intuitive to you for certain styles and mm. and traditionals and things? My mother's side is from Grenada mm-hmm. in Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And then my dad's side is from uh, Sweden up north. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What music was passed down mm. to you? That's what I'm interested in. Mm. So, I mean, both of them were actually, when I think about it, very pop-centric, actually. Um, my dad, he listened to Led Zeppelin, Beatles, uh, stuff like that at home a lot. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I grew up with on his side. And then my mom was like a disco queen. She would listen to like Donna Summer and stuff. Uh, I do recall around carnival time, she would get these cassettes mm-hmm. with Calypso music that I would listen to. Like she would put it on in the house. And I remember like she would take me to see a musical, like me and her, and just like kind of have like a family date just both of us so she would start taking me to musicals so I guess I started like downloading like like oh these are these are musicals like this is cats like I started seeing stuff like that fairly early and I was like oh these are like adults that are dressed up and they're singing together and like what's that all about and then the more experimental thing is just that I've always soaked up new music so whenever I've been around people like like some of my first boyfriends I was like oh what is that like I want to understand that more and then they're like oh this is Nick Cave and this is what he does and so it's always been like this learning process and like being open and it's like okay what am I hearing over here can can you explain what that is and then going with that or listening to like hip-hop on the radio because I didn't have access to hip-hop when I was a kid like I heard it when it came to a radio like the first time because my you know my parents, they didn't listen to anything and that, and I didn't have like, you know, I didn't, there was no shops where I could buy it. 
So I would hear hip hop on the radio for the first time, like '93, pretty late.、Uh, and I was like, "What is this all about?" And I got into that. And then when I went to music school, it was just it expanded even more because then there were even more people that knew more、um, uh, stuff and had more influences. And I kind of always like dug my way, <laughs> you know, like crate digging, but like music digging. Like this morning, I was listening to samba at home. Like I, I just because it's like, oh, this is interesting. What are they doing here? Like this is, you know. I think that's the best way to listen. Yeah, you for sure. You have to build your own. Taxonomy, yeah, yeah. Kind of make those associations, and yeah,、stuff. and they come almost intuitively once you just start listening, right? Right. <laughs> and now also, when, you know, with like algorithms and stuff, I, I realized that if you really like take advantage of your, you own your algorithm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like instead of letting like, oh, I mean that there, the algorithms are there. Like, but we can't really take advantage of them. Like you could put on Spotify, you can make a pl- playlist that is totally random. And just put it on Spotify and let the algorithm feed you afterwards, and you're like, "Wait, what is this?" You know,、yes. like, and that's I love doing that. I, I love this. Yeah, it's, it's a great intersection of neuroscience and technology. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think we have feelings. To, you know, we, we need to own it. Like, it's、yeah. there and it's feeding on us, so like we can feed it things for it to show us things that are new. Also, can we talk about delusional? Yeah, sure. Let's、that's, talk about that's it. That's been my like. Anxiety, bop. Oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Or I guess since July. Awesome. <laughs> But, yeah. Oh my god. Um, the strings. There's just a huge breadth to that vocal performance from you, and um, so much of the record when I got it and heard it was like, wow. Then it took a long time for me. To process after、wow. psychologically yeah, downloading, yeah, yeah, for sure.、Um, but that is definitely a song that has been a standout,、um, and I think it sounds like it's probably one of the more complicated songs as far as production goes. Yeah, for sure.、Um, little things like we can talk about the strings.、Um, I think I remember hearing you say somewhere that you doubled the BPM. Mm, right. Is that true? Right, 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 right. Because、uh, trip hop is so slow,、mm-hmm. which is also like trap is very slow. Also, it's 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 actually surprisingly how slow trap is. Like you can、mm-hmm. find stuff that is like fifty four BPM, like, and it, it always like ma- blows my mind. And like DJ sets, I'm like, wow, I'm playing this beat that is like fifty four BPM, and people are really dancing to it. And I can put on a beat that is like. 108 BPM on top of this, and it's you know, so that's really amazing. But like Sean was, Sean was very. I wanted like I want this record to be slow. Like I have, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I want it like 60, 70, 80. That's great. <laughs> But Sean felt that it was like okay, we need to get some like <laughs> like faster things in there. But I had just like done a lot of dance music for a while, so I was like, no, I just wanted. You know, chill out. Yeah. And then we like found this like, oh, but it's like, you know, it's, it's such a slow tempo, so we can go double on it when we want to have that like effect, you know. So yeah, he surprised me with that on this track when he did the.、Mm-hmm. He came back with like, oh, I have some new programming on it that Austin Mills did, and was like, oh, this is awesome, you know,、mm-hmm. like I guess the trap、um, vibe that comes in and the end. Yeah. 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 No, it's the temp. Trip hop tempos are interesting too, and. Drum and bass, I think, taught us that、oh. we can double everything. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and still、it. beat match, you、yes. know. So, 
Oh my gosh, yeah. I really feel like I want to get into the drum and bass thing for a little bit. Yeah. 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 I mean, drum and bass, like. Yes. Dude. Get into it. Like, it's like <laughs> trap and drum and bass next to each other. Like, I have this vision of like a dream DJ set. I'm like, trap, drum and bass. That would be like a really interesting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What are you thinking about future projects? I just uh, created a radio show for myself um, this weekend, Generation Watts, and I think that's kind of what I want to focus on. Right, I'm, I'm really into like listening to other people right now. I kind of maybe I'm like tired of hearing myself talk for a while, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so like, and it's like there's so many people doing so much good stuff, and like having like a little radio show for myself is a great. Um, excuse to dig and listen to like a lot of different music so that's that's what I'm doing but um, yeah I just I'm kind of just um, waiting for the next um, impression to the really like okay this is like any idea it's, it's a tree that grows from a seed um, and it's important to have a really good um, idea to start with I think mm-hmm. and I, I feel like this this project really taught me that, like, have a great idea and it's okay to wait till you have a great idea and it, it'll pay off in the end, you know? Record Room is produced, hosted, and edited by Will Felker. That's me. This episode was mixed and mastered by Federico Foglia. Our theme music is by Dawood Anthony and our artwork by Tom McQuaid. Very special thanks to Mari Gunn at Fool's Gold for making this interview possible, and also to The Brick House for hosting our conversation. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, you're a good person. 